I want to invite you to take your Bible, if you have it, and open with me to Genesis 28, starting in verse 18. The Bible says, And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely Give the tenth unto thee. We left Jacob in our last presentation running away from home. He lied to his father. He deceived his father. He cheated his brother. As Jacob left, he was now in a foreign country alone. He was sleeping on a, with a pillow, as a, a stone as a pillow, And Jacob found himself alone, separated from his family, feeling guilty because he was there because of what he had done. But then the Bible tells us that he had a dream and God spoke to him. And when he woke up, the Bible tells us that Jacob realized that God was still with him. I want you to notice something very interesting that Jacob said. We read it together, but I want to just redirect your attention there to verse 22. He makes the statement. He says, of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now, I can tell you that Jacob was converted because of this dream. He was a changed man. And if you ask me, how do you know that he was a new person? There is two elements in his response to the dream that let me know that Jacob was a new person. If you look at verse 21, he said, then shall the Lord be my God. In other words, what he was saying is, I am giving myself to God. God will be my God. Not my father's God, not my grandfather's God. God will be my God. And number two, he says, I will give a tenth back to God. If you go through the Bible, every time someone is converted, they give of their material possessions to God. I want you to think about the story of Zacchaeus. Do you remember we preached on Zacchaeus a few weeks ago? One of the things that happened to Zacchaeus is that as he gave his life to God, do you remember what he said? I give half of my goods to who? To the poor. Now, I don't know about you, but if I gave away half of my thing, I mean, that's, that's a significant commitment. Does that make sense? Zacchaeus, we know he was converted. Why? Because he was willing to give of his material possessions for God and for God's cause. Do you remember who did Jesus say, 
you must be born again to. Who did he say it to? It was Nicodemus. Can I share an amazing fact with you about Nicodemus? Scholars tell us that Nicodemus was wealthy. You may not know how wealthy he was. I have a book that I have in my library. It's called Night Scenes in the Bible. And I found this little snippet of truth there that I thought I would share with you. Jewish tradition says that Nicodemus was so rich, he could have fed the entire city of Jerusalem with his own money. Now, don't don't miss the context. Nicodemus was so rich, he could have fed the entire city of Jerusalem with his own money for 10 years. I don't know about you, but I couldn't feed for even a day. I don't, you know, Nicodemus was fabulously wealthy. And you know what happened to him? When the early church was formed, he gave literally all of his money to the cause so that when his own daughter got married, he had no money to give for her wedding. You know, we know that someone is converted when they're willing to give of their material possessions. Do you know what happened with Mary when she, when she, was, when she was finally forgiven and she came to Jesus, she broke that ointment? Do you know how much that ointment costed? It costed one year's salary. So depending on who you are, some of you might be making 35000 a year. Some of you might be making 125000 a year or more. But do you understand the point? She didn't care about the money. The money didn't matter. It was the expression of her devotion. And that is a truth that is consistent with everyone that is truly converted. I want to just make this point here. You know, returning a tithe, it is actually an act of faith. Because what you're saying is, God, I believe that you have given me everything. And in accordance with your instruction, I am returning one-tenth to you. It's an act of faith. I remember when I was growing up, my grandmother... This is old school, so some of you won't understand this because today we have online giving and all of this. But when I was growing up, every Sabbath, my grandmother would prepare her tithes and her offerings. And my grandmother was very particular. She only used like the best money for the offering. Like she had these bills that were like, they were just like factory new. And They were always facing the same way. No corners were bent. But in addition to that, I remember like sometimes I would come home from college and my grandmother at church would give something called a thank offering. Now, some of you don't even have no idea, but a thank offering is similar to, um, it's similar in the Old Testament to what they call a goodwill offering. It wasn't something that was required But when God did something for you, you would give a goodwill offering. And this is what my grandmother would do. She would actually, when I would come home from from college, 
I remember one, one uh, church service, she went up to the front and she said, you know, I'm giving this Goodwill offering because my grandson is home. Why am I sharing this with you? I want you to look at your life and ask yourself, have I made a surrender to God so complete that even my material possessions are at his disposal? Because that was Jacob's experience. He said, look, Lord, I, I, I give myself to you. You're going to be my God now, not just my dad and my grandpas, but you're going to be my God. And whatever you give me, I am going to be faithful in returning a tithe to you. There it was. Look with me now at Genesis 29. Look at verse 1. Now, depending on which translation you have, I want to share something with you. Genesis 29 and verse 1. Here's what it says. Then Jacob went on his journey. Now, I'm going to read to you from a different translation. In other translations, it says, Jacob lifted up his feet and he went. Now, what does that mean? It means, this is in the original language, but it means that Jacob was like eager to go on his journey. Now, what changed? Remember, before he was running away from home, he was fearing his brother. He was afraid of the repercussions of his actions. Then he has a dream. He gives himself to God. He makes a vow to God. And when he gets up in the next morning, he's excited about what the future holds. Why? Because he met God at Bethel. As you're sitting here today, as some of you are watching this online, you may be facing some uncertainty in your life. Maybe, maybe you're starting a new job. Maybe you've just moved to this area. Maybe you have a diagnosis that doesn't look good. I want you to know that when we come to the crises of life, if you have met God at Bethel, if you have had a connection and made God your God, you can face the future unafraid because now you know that God is with you. I want to tell you that if you have faced or if you are facing a divorce, you know, that's one of the most heart-rending experiences that someone can go through. If you have met God at Bethel, you can face it. If you have been diagnosed with a critical terminal illness, it doesn't matter what the physicians do. You can face the future unafraid if you have met God at Bethel. I want to challenge you. Some of you have been through some horrible breakups. And maybe your heart is just in pieces and you're hurting right now. But I want you to know that if you meet God at Bethel and you commit yourself to him, you, like Jacob, can face the unknown future unafraid because you've met God at Bethel. I want to challenge you. Jacob didn't know what the future held. No income, no family, nothing. But he was happy to go. Why? Because he met God at Bethel. Notice what happens now. Come with me 
to Genesis 29. And we're not going to read all of this, but I want you to look at verse 6. No, let's start at verse 5. And he said unto them, Know you Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, what? Now imagine, your father says, I want you to go to this foreign country that you've never been to. I want you to find this family. And here is Jacob. He goes, he's never been here before. And as soon as he arrives in town, the people that he meets, they say, hey, we know who you're looking for. Not just that, not just that. Look at this. And he said unto them, is he well? And they said, he is well. This is Genesis 29, verse 6. And they said, he is well. And behold, who? Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. Now, this I find to be an amazing part of the story. Who is Rachel? Well, eventually she becomes his his wife. Now, I don't know, this is kind of an interesting part of this story, but do you know where Isaac, see, this is hard to ask, but where did Isaac's friend meet his future wife? So who found Isaac's wife? It was the servant, right? Where did the servant meet Rebecca? At a well. Do you remember that? And then Jacob comes to this foreign country, and guess what? All of a sudden, he meets his wife at the, at the well. Now, I wish that I could make a good point, because if you're single, I can't say, you know, you should go to a well, because that doesn't obviously translate, but... You cannot help but notice that this was divine providence. You can't help but notice that. And you know, I got to tell you that when I look at this story, when I look at what's happening here, it's amazing to me that God had orchestrated Jacob's path in a way even before he got there. You know, it was time for Rachel to come. She was watering the sheep. And here is Jacob waiting at the very well that she would come to. How many of you in your life can think back to a time when you found yourself somewhere for some reason that it just seemed like so providential that you were actually there at that time at that purpose. Have you ever had an experience like that before? Let me give you some examples in the Bible of this because it seems like, you know, when we, when we look at this, it just seems like by chance. But let's think for a moment. Joseph, he's thrown into a pit. One of the brothers says, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Let's sell him. They pull him out. And just as they pull him out, who's passing by? These Ishmaelites. They sell him and he ends up in Egypt, the only country that's going to weather the upcoming global famine. Was that a chance? 
No, it's not a chance. And by the way, don't miss this. It was a negative circumstance. It was something that seemed like this is a, this is, you know, this is a, uh, a trial. But even that trial was providential for the future of Joseph and his family. Does that make sense? Think of another example in the Bible. Do you remember the story of Moses? Do you remember that there was the command to destroy all the male babies? So what does the mother do? She weaves a basket. She puts the baby in. And as she hides him among the river, you know, the river uh, bulrushes, right at that moment, who should come? Who comes right at that moment? Who comes? It's Pharaoh's daughter. Are you telling me that that's just by chance? No, it's not by chance. It was part of God's what? God's appointment. God allowed that. What I'm going to say may seem extreme, but I believe this. When God brings someone into your life, I believe that there is a divine purpose for every person, every circumstance that we come across, everyone. Because in the divine providence of God, I believe that nothing happens by accident. Here is Jacob, foreign country, a person that he's, a place he's never been to. Who, who does he meet? He meets his future wife. And let me tell you, folks, as you think about your daily interaction, as you think about the people that you interact with and the people that you meet, maybe you're the one that God wants to use to bless that person. Maybe that person is going to be used by God to bless you. But one thing that you can do, one thing that you can do to be able to spot this is that if you give yourself to God, God has the power to orchestrate circumstances in your life to be part of his divine plan for your life. You see, friends, when we don't surrender ourselves fully to God, another power has control of us. And that's why if you surrender yourself to God like Jacob did, God has the authority. He has the legal right to move circumstances so that it can fulfill God's divinely appointed plan for your life. I want to challenge you as you sit here today to think of all of the ways that God has blessed you to make it to this moment here. Let me just tell you a quick story. When I was, it was 2014, and I was teaching at a school in England. And there was about 30 students in the class. And for, for no particular you know, reason I, because I, this school, it runs on intensive modules. I taught for like a week, and then I flew back to the United States. Well, that was 2014. 2017 found me divorced. Um, 
with a totally different job. And one day, I received an email from one of my students from England. I replied to the email. And guess what? Three years later, sorry, two years later, we got married. (laughs) I'm saying this because you don't always know. You do not always know how providence leads, right? So as we look at the story of Jacob today, I want to challenge you. Nobody, nobody will look over your shoulder. But I want to challenge you today to make a commitment to return a faithful tithe and offering. Not for me. Not for the church. It's not for the conference. It's for God's blessing in your own life. God says, it's one of the few places in the Bible, God says, do this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you will not be able to receive it. It's one of the only places where God says, try me on this. I want to also challenge you because some of you are facing some difficult circumstances. I've talked with some of you. I know a little bit of what's going on in your life. And sometimes it's, the future can be scary. It can cause you anxiety. But if you surrender your life fully to God, you can have confidence like Jacob. You don't have to worry about the unknown because God is going to be with you. He's going to help you take care of it. If you give yourself fully to God, you're going to see a divine pattern working in your life. God is going to orchestrate circumstances where he's going to work in your life. And these people, these circumstances, they're all moving forward God's divine plan for your life. I want divine appointments in my life. How about you? I want to see God working on my behalf, working to make me what I need to be. And I hope you do too. So as we close today, I want to invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Father in heaven, it's my prayer for every one of us here today that we'll experience Jacob's joy when he met with you at Bethel, when your presence was Comforting, it was close because he was all alone. Lord, today we commit our material possessions to you. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Help us to face the future unafraid. And Lord, this week, some of us are going to meet someone. Some of us are going to be somewhere. Something's going to happen this week. Open our eyes to see that this is divine hand working. It is providence that is leading and guiding to shape our lives to what they need to be. For we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.